0: I appreciate this ministry. Uh, this ministry means so much to me. Uh, I tell everybody that I have bonded myself to this ministry. And real briefly, if you don't know what a bond servant was, it was one that his servitude was up, but he loved the position he was in so much that he took in awe to his ear and plugged it through to the doorpost of the ministry where the family that he was serving. And symbolically, that's what I've done in this ministry. Some of you don't know me. I'm Pastor Skip Cromer. I'm one of the Connect pastors here. I go back to this church since the early 1990s, not in this church, but associated with this church through a young man by the name of Lester Summerall, who was the mentor to Dr. Cayetan. And I met Dr. Cayetan in South Bend, Indiana. I've known some of the kids since they were that big. They would come to our camp meetings and spend a week with other kids from all over the United States. I put a sermon together several years ago called Called, Appointed, and Anointed. It was supposed to be a three-hour seminar sermon And God has placed it on my heart to talk about called, appointed, and anointed. So you're going to get, some of you will understand what I'm saying, the cleft note edition of that sermon. Some people don't know what I'm talking about, but when I was in high school, instead of reading the whole book, they had a little yellow book that would outline everything for you so you'd be smart enough to be able to answer a test question. So we are all called. The first call is your call to salvation. Your salvation is a call on your life to be a disciple, a witness, and a servant of Jesus Christ. Romans 11.29 says, in the Amplified Classic Bible, most of the scriptures I use tonight will be from there. For God's gift and his callings are irrevocable. That gift of salvation is irrevocable. It, God will never change his mind about your salvation. He never withdraws them when once they are given, and he does not change his mind about those whom he gives his grace and to whom he sends his call. So, the first calling that you're ever going to have in your life as a Christian will be the call to salvation. Then there's going to be other calls that God puts on your life. My first calling was to serve 20 years in the military. I always remember my dad telling me, if you serve 20 years in the military, you'll always have a house and car payment. They'll never be able to take your house or car from you. So it was instilled in me, and that became my biggest dream in life, to spend 20 years in the military to have a house and car payment. God never changed that call in his life, but he did call me another time. We're in Heidelberg, Germany, sitting in a chapel in Patton Barracks. There's a visiting chaplain. He had all these degrees after his name, and he's preaching a sermon, and I had no idea what he was talking about. He was so far over my head that I felt like I was the most dumbest person in the world at that time but then i heard the audible voice of god now not everybody ever hears the audible voice of god i've heard it three times in my life and i'm almost 75 years old but he says i am calling you to be a preacher i turned to my wife and i said what'd you say and she's shaking her head i heard it three times i'm calling you to be a preacher And I told her, I says, if God's calling me to be a preacher, I'm not going to go to a seminary. I'm not going to be indoctrinated. He's going to have to do the anointing and cause me to be a preacher. Many things went on in my life, and here I am today. God places different calls on different men and women's lives to serve him in the kingdom of God. Not everybody is called to a public ministry. Not everybody is called to be a minister. But you are called to be a wife, a husband. You're called to be a teacher. You're called to be an auto mechanic. My dad's anointing was an auto mechanic. He could repair any automobile I ever saw in my life. You're called to be doctors. I think of Dr. Ben Carson. Here's an uneducated, came from an uneducated poor family in Boston. His mother couldn't read and yet found out that he wasn't doing his homework and she would make him read a book every week and give her a book report and she couldn't even read the book report. He didn't know that. She sat there and, "Mm -hmm. mm-hmm, yeah, okay. That's good, now go get another book, do it again. And he had to do that every day of his, every week of his life. And the list can go on and on what you're called to. Most of our skills are developed before we are saved and called. I have been a teacher in the military. I taught people how to re-enlist people and recruit people into the military for years. I was a recruiter. I was one of those guys that Parents didn't want to see coming, come, them coming to their house. So I've been able to speak publicly for years. You know what I couldn't do? One-on-one witnessing. But God has prompted me to do that. He'll give me words to people. My big challenge right now is a young man at work. And the other day I heard a boss just speaking on one of these headpieces Telling him, pay attention to the person in front of you. Pay attention to the person in front of you. Pay attention to the person in front of you. And he was busy doing other things and letting customers stand in line. So on my way out, I told the boss, I says, you know, our church has been teaching the leadership. The most important person in your life is the one that's in front of you. I says, I'm going to go tell that young man that. So I walked up to the young man and I said, hey, you know who the most important person in your life is? And this is the key to your success. And he says, no, who is it? I said, the person standing in front of you. And he gets this look on his face and he says, you're the most important person in my life? I said, no, not me. Whoever is in front of you at that time. So the last couple times when I've worked and he's been at work, I'll ask him, who's the most important person in your life? And he'll give me an answer, the person in front of me. I'm going to lead up to eventually telling him the most important person in his life is Jesus Christ. See, God opened doors for me to now minister to people one-on-one. And that leads me to this point. We are all called to be ministers of reconciliation. Second Corinthians 5 and 19 from the Amplified Classic Bible says, It was God personally present in Christ reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. That's the purpose of reconciliation, bringing favor of God back to people. He brought it to himself because he knew we were all sinners. We were lost in our sin because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. But we had to be reconciled back to God. Now that we're reconciled back to God because of our salvation, it's our job to reconcile the world back to God, to tell people what God is doing in our life, how He's blessing us. My wife and I are both in our mid 70s. And every time we talk to a doctor, they'll ask us, What medications are we on? She's older than I am, she robbed the cradle. But she takes no medication. I take one medication. We're both in our 70s, mid-70s. And that, That's a blessing from God. I look at other people that are younger than us, especially when I go into the VA, and they come in carrying bags of drugs that they're taking. They're destroying their body through that. holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. Every trespass you've ever committed, will commit or are committing, has been forgiven by God. He's not coming back to the cross to go through the beating and the suffering that he did 2,000 years ago for just for you to get you saved again. It's already happened, but we don't realize it. in committing to us the message of reconciliation of the restoration of favor as i said most are not called to a public ministry but whatever god has called you to do you'll know it i served lester summerall for the last eight years of his life he always told the story about his calling 17 years old dying of tuberculosis he was so near death that the doctor signed his death certificate and never put a time on it and told his mother, when he dies tonight, put the time that he died. During that night, he has a dream and vision. He's floating down a river in a casket. God, and on this side of the casket is a Bible. On this side is death. God says, you get to choose whether you want to live or die. But he says, it'll happen tonight, your choice. He looked. He says, I'll take the Bible. The next morning, he's getting up, getting dressed. The first time he's been out of bed in months, getting dressed to go down to have breakfast. When he walked downstairs, his mother almost passed out. That was his calling in his life. My calling, as I started to say, took place in Heidelberg, Germany, when I heard the audible voice of God, and I questioned it. Everybody's calling who's called into a public ministry is different than anybody else's calling. So just because God did me one way in a church doesn't mean he's going to do you that way. It doesn't even mean he's ever going to call you to a public ministry, But there is a gap inside of every one of us that only God can fill. We try to fill it with all kinds of junk. I call it junk. Education. All of these people. Back in the 70s, I remember, it was one of the magazines, and there was a picture of a man and hanging from his ceiling, he had 52 degrees and couldn't get a job spent his whole life going to school to get educated, to fill that gap in his life, and couldn't get a job with 52 degrees. For some of us, it's wanting a successful business. We think if we can build our business and get to be the president or the owner of that business, everything is resolved. No. For some, it's music. Look at all these musicians out there that think that having a band, a name, that they're going to have everything they need in life and they commit suicide. They're drug addicts. They're not fulfilled because they haven't filled that gap in their life. For some, it's drug and alcohol, but it doesn't fill that gap in your life. It doesn't matter what you try. There's only one thing that, will, that fits comfortably in that gap and it's the Spirit of God. Mark 4.19 says, and the devil will use worldly distractions against us. Mark 4.19 says, then the cares and anxiety of the world and the distractions of the age. Have you looked at what's going on at this time? All the distractions that are out there, the way the government's acting, the way people are acting. I was at VA today for one of my checkups, and I asked the lady, I says, how much longer are we going to have to wear masks? The rest of the world isn't wearing masks. But yet, when you go into a VA, and I didn't think I had to wear a mask. All the signs were down. I walked in, and there's this big sign, put on a mask. But the distractions of the world, they're stealing us from us. The pleasures and delight of false glamour. Look at the false glamour out there. Become a musician. Own your own business. Everything will be all right. The craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. When you're all concerned about everything that's going on in the world, it chokes the word out of you, and you become fruitless. You're not useful. The calling is lifted from your life. God word tell us we need to keep our focus in Philippians four and eight. It says, "For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence, whatever is honorable and seemingly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable." whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your mind on them. Fix your mind on the blessings. Fix your mind on the testimonies that you've heard in this church of what the healings that have taken place, the financial needs that have been being met. When I tell people that our church ties back into the congregation Christian people look at me and say are you crazy churches don't do that we do it because we love the people we want to see the people being successful the vision of Pastor Troy is to bring 30,000 new people into this church and that every one of them would own their own home that is a vision that only we as people can make possible to come true When I heard that thing about winning 30,000 souls to Jesus Christ, I said, thank God. Lester Summerall's vision was a million people. (laughs) We get a break here. (laughs) He only wants 30,000 that he's praying for. Be with a ministry that wants a million souls. Think about that. That was Lester Summerall's vision of Feed the Hungry, to win a million souls to the Lord. When you're appointed, the first thing you need to do is seek excellence in your ministry. So many people think they're called to be a minister and they want to be a Joyce Myers, a Benny Hinn, a Lester Summerall, an Ed Dufresne, a Dr. K. Attend. You have no idea the struggles those people went through to get to where they're at today. Joyce Myers, years of child abuse. Sexual abuse. It took her years to be able to overcome that. She started out in a cell group in her house. In the basement. And then it expanded to the first floor. Then it expanded again and again. And it kept going. Lester Summerall started preaching in little churches in Louisiana. His offerings were pig and sheep and chickens And he would take and sell them to get his money. But yet he's a man that traveled around the world and left the United States on a boat with $12 in his pocket. If God called you to do that, are you ready to do it? You couldn't even get from here to the corner on $12 in gas in your car today. And he went around the world following Howard Carter, his mentor. If you're called to preach or have a ministry and haven't gotten grounded in the Word of God, you haven't learned how to communicate the love of God. You know what that is inside of you. How effective will you be? Now, I told you I don't have any formal education to be a minister. We're sitting in South Bend, Indiana. We came home for a visit. We're in a camp meeting. Lester Summerall is on the podium. Next to him is Ed Dufresne. Some of you don't know who Ed Dufresne was, but before he went home to be with the Lord, he was a prophet. In fact, the year before Dr. Sumrall died, he prophesied Dr. Sumrall's death in a public meeting. And it happened. And I hear them calling out the names of the people going forward to be ordained. And I'm sitting next to my wife and... uh, Dwayne Carden, one of the people that were on staff with Dr. Sumrall. And I hear Leonard Cromer. By the way, don't everybody spread my first name around. (laughs) It's Skip to you all. I hear the name Leonard Cromer. And I'm sitting there looking for Leonard Cromer. Three times he called my name. Finally, Dwayne Carden punches me in the side. And he says, he's calling you. He's calling me? He's ordaining people. I didn't apply for ordination. Don't worry about it. His son, Frank, and I put in your paperwork. I got ordained that night. Never been to a Bible school. I was on that campus for eight years. You could step on Dr. Summerall's campus as a preschooler and leave there with a doctorate's degree in ministry. But I had the privilege of being around some of the greatest men and women of God, gleaning from them. And I still glean from people today. I haven't stopped gleaning. If you could see my phone, some of the notes I have, I meet with some of the younger pastors here all the time showing them, hey, look what I got from this guy. Look what I got from this guy. I'm always gleaning. And that's, I mean, Peggy and I have had the, Pleasure being able to talk with Joyce Myers, Kenneth Copeland, Ed Dufresne, Billy Joe Doherty, Alf Ekman. We have some trainees here from Sweden. One of the girls knew his ministry over there. So I got to be around some of the biggest names. I was around Rod Parsley before he had a big church. And he would come. Steve Munsey, Phil Muncy's brother that's been here. In fact, Steve, one time, we were at his church with Dr. Summerall. Steve's standing up, and he's introducing Dr. Summerall. And he says, I want to introduce one of the greatest men of God tonight. He's an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, evangelist, a teacher. He says, there's been no other man greater than this man. And he invites Dr. Summerall up to the podium. Dr. Summerall stood there for about three minutes. Seemed like longer than that. And he's looking all around. Steve comes up and he says, Dr. summerall what can I do for you? What do you need, water or something? Dr. Summerall says, no, I want to meet this great man of God you're talking about. He says, what do you mean? He says, it's you. He says, I don't know if I'm a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, prophet. He says, all as I know is I'm your brother in the Lord. That's how humble Dr. Summerall was. And I will tell you, and people here will tell you, I have fought about using the title pastor. I tell my life group, I'm not a pastor. I am your brother. And In Dr. Summerall's church, everybody was a brother or a sister. They didn't carry titles. If you spoke to Dr. Summerall, it was either Brother Summerall or Dr. Summerall. You never called him a Pastor because he'd tell you, I'm not a pastor. I'm just a servant of God. If you're not called to a public ministry, just praise God for what he's doing with you, giving you the ability to tell others what Jesus is doing in your life, witnessing, praying for friends and family members, other world situations, such as this prayer meeting on May 4th, being in his presence, assembling together with other believers in a corporate setting. Be thankful for this. Folks, I've been in countries where you cannot come to a church and praise and worship God. It's forbidden by law. You don't know how fortunate you are. And you better start taking a stand for it because it's coming very soon. The churches are going to be persecuted. Well, don't speak bad over the churches. I'm not. It's in the book. It says there's persecution coming. Read Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 24. It's one of the signs of the end times. So we need to start taking a stand for our faith. When you're appointed, you're required to take everything that God has given you and to spend the necessary time to be good at what you do. God demands that. God demands excellence from us. God doesn't bless you when you're doing half-hearted stuff. He doesn't bless ministries that are doing half-hearted stuff. This ministry is blessed because we strive for a ministry of excellence. That's why we're able to do what we do throughout Northeast Ohio and other areas. Excellence of ministry is the least you can give God because everything you do is reflecting his glory. That applies to what Pastor Mary was telling me tonight from Revelations. Everything I do, I try to bring glory to God. Am I successful at it? Not all the time. I'm still human. If you're not serving God to the best of your ability, then you're failing in what God has called you to do. Take a hold of the fact that God doesn't make failures. And he's not only programmed you for success, but he is giving you avenues to do what he expects of you. Jeremiah 29 in the Amplified says, For I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, says the Lord. Isn't it nice to know that God knows every thought and plan he has for you? You're not walking this life alone. You're walking this life hand in hand with God. And he's got you down pat. Not and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. Whatever calling God has placed on your life, it's to give you a hope for your final outcome. I remember Dr. Summerall always saying, when I go home to be with the Lord, on my tombstone, I wanted to say, Lester Summerall, here lays a man of faith. And boy, did he have faith. I saw him believe for C-130 aircrafts. I saw him believe for TV stations. I saw him take up offerings to put people on TV. Sitting in Tulsa, Oklahoma with Billy Joe Doherty one night in the Mabry Center. We're having our little snack before the ministry. And he says, Billy Joe, would you like to be on TV? Billy Joe says, yeah. He says, I'll take up an offering tonight for you to be on TV. I'll put you on my, my stations. It'll only be $150,000 a year, and Billy Joe swallowed. He says, I don't have that kind of money. He says, no, but God does. So he went out and did his ministry. Billy Joe took up his tithes and offering, so that was one offering taken. Dr. Summerall took up his Feed the Hungry offering because he was raising money for Feed the Hungry. And then he took up an offering. He approached the people in Mabry Center on a Sunday night, on a Sunday night, he says, Talked with your pastor and he wants to be on TV. He says, How many of you, want, you to be, want your pastor to be on TV? They all raise their hand. He says, Great, we're taking up an offering. I need $150,000 and I'll put your pastor on TV in a month. Raised $153,000 in one night to put the pastor on TV. That takes faith, folks. Some of us can't even believe for a new pair of shoes. He's believing for $150,000 to put somebody else on TV and gets it. Man of faith. You should never get the idea that because there is an apprenticeship or training period in your ministry that you shouldn't do your very best. We need to be trained. We need to be raised up. I think of all the, some of the great men of the Bible now. Look at King David, a man after God's own heart. He was anointed at about the age of 16 or 17 to be the king. It took almost 20 years before he ever got into that position. But look at what God did with his life. He trained him so that he could be a good king, so that he could be a man after his own heart. Was he perfect? No. But yet God still says he was a man after his own heart. He committed adultery, committed murder. Well, he didn't kill Uriah. Yes, he did. He had him sent out and killed. You look at some of the great men and women of God. They were not perfect. Look at his bloodline. Prostitutes in there. Murderers in there. Liars in there. But God used each and every single one of them. Remember, God is shaping you for your calling. He'll shape you and you need to get ready. When God sees you're ready, then he'll appoint you to the task. God will never appoint you before you're ready. God will never ask you to do something that he hasn't prepared you to do or has a way to finance what he wants you to do. Again, I'll talk about Lester Summerall for a moment in the Feed the Hungry program. It was one of the most unique programs i ever seen. Dr. Summerall would come into a church such as here, and I'm sure Pastor Mary can tell you she's heard the sermon, do a feed to hungry and say, now, Dr. Cayden, I don't want your money. Don't send me your tithes and offerings. He says, but congregation, this is what I want you to do. Once a week, fast one meal, And write on your envelope, feed the hungry. And whatever that meal cost, put it in that envelope. He was able to raise money without taking money from the churches. See, God prepares you. God will give you the plan. God will teach you what you need to do. All you have to do is say, like Samuel did, I'm here, Lord, send me. God doesn't want you to fail. He wants you to be ex- a success. In 2 Timothy verses, chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Study and be eager, and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved. And that word approved here, I like how the Amplified does it. It says, tested by trial. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed, Correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the word of truth. God prepares you. God will give you words to say. My prayer when I was in the back room tonight was, God, take me out of the picture and use my voice. And Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to those through me. I want no glory and honor for this. I just want to give God glory and the honor for what he's done in Skip Cromer's life and my wife's life. Do your best to show yourself approved. Philippians says in chapter 2, verse 12, Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent This is Paul writing to the church. He was present in their lives for a while, but then he had to leave. But he's telling them to continue the work that they saw him do. Continue ministering the way you saw Paul doing it. Cultivate and carry out to the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe, trembling and self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. You never want to do anything to offend God. Remember in the beginning I told you the gifts and ministries are irrevocable that God gives you? I've been around long enough that I've seen several ministries fail. I can sit here and name a few of them to you. Their calling is still upon them. They have reopened their ministry. But you know what I've noticed in every single one of them? They have never come back as strong as what they were the first time before they were caught in their sin or whatever problems they were caught in. So God doesn't, because you may falter like David did, he never took David out of the calling of his ministry. Samson was the same way. Samson had a ministry, even though he faltered at it he still ended up destroying the Philistines in the end. Everybody that I know, their ministries never come back as strong. And I can sit here and name at least five or six of them that I personally have met. Two or three that I haven't met. That their ministries failed, but they came back. But they're not as powerful as what they were before. And some of those people personally knew Dr. Summerall. Show you're willing to submit yourself to God and his authority by putting off the way you think and putting on the way he thinks. Ed Dufresne used to say, you got got to get rid of the stinking thinking. And that, you need to focus on the word of God, not your opinion, not what you think, but what the word of God says. If the word of God says it, and this is truth, it's truth. If God says you can be healed, you can be healed. And I know people don't like to hear the word being prosperous, but if you study the Bible, the Bible tells you he wants you to be able to prosper. Why are we fighting it? I hear people condemn ministries. I I spoke about this in my life group the other night. Everybody gets upset with Jesse DePlanis. They talk about him having all these airplanes. Jesse deplanis will tell you he's had five airplanes. He does not have five airplanes today. He's always, before he's always got the next bigger and better one, he sold the other one into a ministry. People come against him. People come against Joe Olstein. They talk about how money hungry he is. Joe Osteen don't need money from the church. First of all, he doesn't even take a salary from the church. His wife is independently wealthy. Her family owned jewelry stores in Texas. He gets his money off of his royalties from his books. Doesn't take a salary from the church, but everybody's beating him up because he has a big fancy house. I'd rather see him have a big fancy house than some of the houses I've been in in Guatemala. Or maybe, have you been to Haiti, Sister? What you've seen in Haiti that Christians have, and they're so pleased with the cardboard shack, the little wooden building they have, the dirt floors but we beat up on our ministers that are out there ministering for the word of God. I, I hope you're praying for your pastors, and I'm not saying praying me, but the pastors that run this ministry, they come under attack. I've even heard Pastor Troy say that people tell people don't come to this church because they're going to take your home from you. We're giving homes away, and they're telling people we're taking homes from them. He got under attack because he wouldn't do and kept this church open even during the pandemic. Now, we were open online. Some people don't know it, but on any Wednesday or Sunday, there were at least 25 to 30 of us in this building all the time. The doors never closed. You were invited to come if you wanted to come. But if you wanted to stay home, we didn't beat you up about it. We are saying it's time now to come back to the corporate setting. It's time now to come back to where you can be blessed. It's time now to come back where the anointing is flowing. And I'm not saying the anointing can't flow over the airwaves, but I'll tell you one thing. I've been on the other side of that camera setting at home, and the anointing is nowhere near as powerful as it is when you're in the building. Let's talk about anointed real quick. I read a book by a man by the name of Watchman Nee. And it's a book on authority. And Watchman Nee says, you will never have authority if you don't submit to authority. My anointing doesn't come by myself. My anointing comes down from Pastor Troy, Dr. Summerall, Kenneth Copeland, all these men that I have served and know that's where my anointing comes from. So if I'm not under their authority, following what they're asking me to do, then my anointing is not going to be as powerful as theirs. You submit yourself to... Your anointing is the ability to submit yourself to the authority of the Holy Spirit and the one who you serve. I get a kick, uh, we have a meeting out here in the lobby on Sundays, and Pastor Don sometimes will send out little blurps to people to ask them to speak on a word of encouragement to us, and the group on, to the, serv- the people that are serving you on Sunday morning. And I heard one lady says, well, I didn't get notified until Friday. And I said, God bless you, because I don't get notified sometime until in the morning. <laughs> and I, By the way, this is a surprise for me. This happened on Tuesday. Pastor Don says, uh, Pastor Becca's out of town and she was supposed to speak Wednesday night. Can I move you up? I says, if that's what you need to do, move me up. So I had to rush and condense that cleft note version a little bit faster than what I was. The authority of the one who has experience and has been walking in God's wisdom longer than you have. So you can accelerate at a faster pace. Like I told you, I glean from people all the time. So it's, by the way, you spend 20 years in the military, you know how to respect authority. Something the world don't know today. If some of these people were taught authority and respect, we probably wouldn't have half the problems we have today. I'm a firm believer in people. This is Skip Cromer speaking right now, all right? Skip Cromer is a firm believer that every individual from the age of 18 to 25 should spend at least two years in the military. You will grow up in the military. You may not like to take orders, but when that drill sergeant says jump, you ask how high? When he tells you to give him push-ups, you say, how many? You don't argue with him. So I know how to handle authority. It's very easy for me to say yes. And you know something? In my power and authority, I know how to say no, too. I don't say yes to everything that everybody wants me to do. God wants you to be an able workman. He has given you the power and authority of his name. This one I don't think they have for me. I'm going to go to uh, Mark 16, verses 15 through 18. And I don't have my Amplified Bible tonight. I have my King James. It says, And he said unto them, This is Jesus talking to the disciples. You want to know what your calling is? I'm going to give it to you right now. Everybody in this room, this is your calling. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You start at home. From home, you go to the neighborhood. From the neighborhood, you go to the county. From the county, you go to the so on and so forth. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. How many are believers in this room tonight? Raise your hand. This applies to each and every single person that raised their hand. In my name shall they cast out devils. Now let me tell you something. You better be born again. Because if you aren't, you're going to be like the seven sons of Siva. They knew Jesus. They, the devil says, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? And they beat him up and they left running naked. The Bible says that. So you better be a believer and you better be baptized with the Holy Spirit before you go out and try any of these. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. In my... Life group on Monday night, I told the men, I wonder if this is a prophetic speaking, because this is the only one of these that has not been fulfilled in the New Testament yet. Is drinking something deadly. And they looked at me and I'm saying, Look what's going on in New Palestine, how the water's been contaminated. Look at other places where the water is running short. You don't know what you're getting anymore when you turn on that tap water. You're hoping it's drinkable. And even the the little bottled water, I don't know how much of that. Every one I pick up says pure spring water, artesian water. I don't know if it's artesian or not. They may be getting it out of Lake Erie and selling it to you as artesian water, spring water. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Boy, we have the power and the authority in the name of Jesus Christ to lay hands on the sick. Some people, that's how they got their ministry started. They go to hospitals laying hands on the sick. I just attended a homecoming of a pastor a few weeks ago, Kenny Rogers one of many Kenny Rogers and one of many Kenny Rogers that are pastors. In his family, there are five Kenny Rogers besides the real Kenny Rogers. And four of the five were ministers. But he's in the hospital basically dying and he's having the nurses push him in a wheelchair and he's going around praying for people and they're getting healed. Being laid up in a hospital didn't stop him from doing what God commissioned him to do. But we stop sometimes. Well, what if they don't get healed? That's not my problem, that's God's problem. Don't ask me. I don't know what is in your life that is preventing you from being healed. But God does. I'm only doing what he said to do. He said to go lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. When you see the anointing of God that destroys the yoke on these held in bondage, to destroy any yoke of bondage, you will need his anointing to accompany whatever you're called to do. It even says that in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27b in the King James. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And I love the King James Version of this. Because it says destroyed. A lot of them say uh, broken. Do you know what the difference is between something that is broken and something that is destroyed? Something that is broken can be put back together. If it's destroyed, it can't be put back together. So the more accurate translation is the King James. The anointing destroys every yoke of bondage. The anointing destroys every disease that's out there. The anointing destroys poverty. The anointing destroys relationship problems. You know, I'll speak about my brother for a moment. My brother's in his late 50s. I have a brother that's I don't even know. And it's because he was born the same year I went in the military. But the middle brother, I can honestly say that I've been married going on 53 years to the same woman. My brother says he's been married for 30 years, but he's had five different wives. And when I say I've been married 53 years, people will ask me, to the same woman? Yes, the same woman. Has it always been fun? Ask her. It hasn't always been fun. There must be a two-way of communications. If you can't, you can't say out of the side of your mouth one day that you're trusting God, you're doing what God's calling you to do, and then the next day say, When, God, when, and where are you? You have to stay focused on what God is doing. If you have to get to the point where you walk in the will and word of God, never waver from it, because the word tells us that a double-minded person is unstable in all of his ways. In James 1, 6 through 8, it says, Only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting, for the one who wavers, hesitates, and doubts is like a billowing surge out at sea, that it is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly, let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for. If you are double-minded in your walk with the Lord, don't expect to receive what you ask for. For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesita- hesitating, dubious, irresolent, that means hesitancy of uncertain showing or f- feelings, he is unstable, unreliable, and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, or decides. You can't praise God out of one side of your mouth and question what he's doing in your life out of the other side of your mouth. You just need to be thankful that God is blessing you. He's keeping you safe. He's providing for you. Getting ready to wrap up. The truth we have got a hold of in the body of Christ is that the anointing of God is always available. I want you to know that The anointing is always available for you. It's up to you to decide whether you're going to use it or not. But just remember, there's an old cliche that says, what you don't use, you lose. It isn't that God takes it away from you. You just lose the ability to be able to handle it. That anointing will always undo the works and the designs of the devil. The anointing of God is in his word. All power to accomplish what he has said is written within his word. Tonight, I'm asking you, are you walking in the anointing that God has put in your life? Whether it's in ministry, whether it's the anointing of a teacher, whether it's anointing of a singer, People have different anointings. I I look over there at Pastor Don. I don't have the anointing of an administrator that she has. But I don't know if Pastor Don has the anointing that I have as a teacher. See, we all have our own anointing. Some of it is in a ministry capacity. Some of it is out in the world. Just because you're not in a ministry doesn't mean you're not anointed. You have as much opportunity out in the world to minister to somebody as you do in a corporate setting as a pastor, a teacher, a praise and worship leader. Every single one of you have an anointing on your life. Each and every one of you have a calling on your life. Each and every one of you have been appointed to do something for God in your life. My question is, are you doing it? Are you responding to the call? I was called in 1973 and never got into ministry until in the 80s. About 81 or 82 when we went back to Bad Kroisnock with Glenn Davis. So there was all that time there. In fact, I'll show you how silly I was going to be when I got the call from God that he wanted me to be a minister. I said, great, I'll put my paperwork in and get out of the military. I had already served about nine years. And God says to me, who told you to get out of the military? I says, well, you're calling me to be a minister and preach and teach for you. He says, did I tell you to get out of the military? So I throw up my brilliancy. I say, but these men are ungodly. Look at what they do. They're out there killing people. They've trained me to kill people in that. I was trained to be a killer in that. At the age of 18, I couldn't even buy a car, vote, smoke, or drink, but I was legally trained to kill people. So I was going to give it all up. And God reminded me, remember, do 20 years in the military and you'll have your house and car. Maybe. So you know what? I did 20 years in the military. Ended up serving God after I got out of the military. Been with, this is the third, fourth fifth ministry we've been with. Ministries from the East Coast to the Midwest, back to Ohio. And I thank Pastor Don for the first time I met her. She was giving me a ticket to, uh, yeah, I can't remember his name from California now. And that he's ministered to my wife. But she, I walked in and she said, I said, you're supposed to have a ticket for me. And she says, and you're Pastor Skip, right? <laughs> Tim Story, thank you. That's why I have my own administrative assistant. Uh, But we were here for a meeting with Tim Story, another man that I met. I could tell you other stories about him. But I am just thankful for the calling that God has placed on my life. I want to be faithful to that call. I want to be a servant to this ministry. Let's stand to our feet. going to ask you the first call is the call of salvation if you don't know Jesus Christ tonight is the night that we would like to introduce you to the greatest friend you're gonna ever have one that will never leave you nor forsake you one that will go with you through every trial and tribulation that you're going with he'll stay with you those that are here and those that are at home if you don't know Jesus Christ Say this prayer with me, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, cleanse me of all of my sins, make me a new creation. Father, cause me to be a servant to you, be my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you said that prayer, you're a new creature, come up and let us know Text us, call us, let us know that you made a decision to accept Jesus Christ. I'm going to do one more quick altar call. If you have a calling on your life and you want to be anointed for it, whether it be a teacher, a minister, uh, whatever it is, come to the altar and I'm going to quickly pray for with you and anoint you and send you on your way. Thank you.